0: Good evening and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio.
1: Welcome to Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. I am your host, Tawana Wilson. A little bit about myself. I am your award-winning leadership maven, medical laboratory scientist by background, best-selling author, owner and chief leadership coach at Trendy Elite Coaching and Consulting Services, executive director with the John Maxwell team, Maxwell Disc Certified Consultant, send out CARS referral partner, and co-owner of Direct Impact Broadcasting radio Station. Before we bring on my special guest, I want to thank my March radio show sponsor, Mr. Martinez Wilson of Second Samuel Transport, where they make sure you get all of your Amazon packages delivered one time, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Also, thank you to my media mentors, Ms. Ashley Little and Ms. Kimberly McLemore of Talk Radio TV Network LLP. Today we have my special guest and big sister, Ms. Martia Shands. Martia Shands is the Executive Director for, competitive, for Partners for a Competitive Workforce, which is a regional collaborative that leads the efforts to grow the skills of the regional workforce and create a talent pipeline to meet employers' needs for labor. Ms. Shans has more than 20 years of human resources and workforce development experience Across multiple industries, including manufacturing, supply chain, healthcare, construction, and IT. Her career has spanned from multinational global corporations to small not for profits across North America and Africa. She is an Aspen Institute Job Quality Fellow and is a member of Class 39 of Leadership Cincinnati. She has been recognized by the Cincinnati Business Courier as a 40 Under 40 business leader and the YWCA of Greater Cincinnati as a rising star. She is the immediate past chair of the Workforce Investment Board of Butler, Warren, and Claremont counties, where she was recognized as a regional expert in workforce development issues and solutions. Ms. Shands also serves on the Board of Directors for the YWCA of Dayton and Lifespan. Maria earned a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Cincinnati and a master's degree in labor and employment relations, also from the University of Cincinnati. She holds the senior professional in human resources designation from the Human Resources Certification Institute and the senior certified professional certificate From the Society of Human Resources Management. Greetings, greetings, Martia. How are you doing this evening? I'm very well, thank you.
0: Thank you, Coach T. You know, it's funny, every time I hear that bio being read, I'm looking around the room and thinking, who are we talking about? Who is that person? Okay, (laughs) well, thank you.
1: Thank you for joining us this evening and giving the listening audience all of your expertise. So let's jump right in. Tell the listeners Absolutely. about your tell the listeners about your journey to leadership and how did you get to where you are today?
0: Sure. So my my journey to leadership, you know, I, I suppose I've always been um, on a journey, and we'll will always continue to be on a journey and my my journey uh, to leadership has you know has always been in place and, and started i I would say um as a young woman and as a young woman in in junior high school um throughout high school and and, and undergrad and into grad school and as i as I look at my 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 career, what I would say is probably. Um, knowing in high school that I wanted to go to college um, I, i've always had the, had it in mind you know without my parents telling me that I was going to go to uh, to higher education, I knew I was going to go to college and um, just always had that as an aspiration um, and through throughout just pursuing my, my academics um, i've changed major a, a number of times I started off of all things as a fashion design major and uh, just a general studies major, and then ultimately settled on economics. And I, I knew I didn't want a general business degree, and I, so I wanted to specialize in something, and so I started looking at economics, and in particular, uh, labor economics. And so when I graduated with uh, a degree in economics, I went out into the workplace and looked at specifically uh, the Chamber of Commerce. And as I worked in the Chamber of Commerce, I was looking at labor economics from the perspective of companies that wanted to relocate to the greater Cincinnati area, and um, the work that I was doing at the time was just general administrative work in, in pulling data together for companies to understand how they were coming into the area and was there available labor uh, to support their business operations. And so uh, I started to get interested in that work and, and what are the dynamics of looking at the labor market and that led to uh, a career in HR, believe it or not, because I wanted to see on the other side of it, okay, who is the person that's collecting that information and why are they collecting that information? And that uh, information is what it's going to finance so that finance can understand, okay, what is the cost um, really is going into HR because HR is the person, uh, the people in the organization that's looking at your uh, labor costs and so forth. And so that led to a career into human resources, and then I just gradually climbed the ladder, and I am where I am today, working in um, workforce and labor and all those wonderful things. So that's kind of have been my path and, um, you know, along the journey of where I am today. Wow,
1: that's awesome. It's always nice to hear because sometimes uh, we tell our young people go in with a plan and, and sometimes they they do. And, and it's nice to hear when, when you talk to working professionals that like, well, I went in with one thing in mind. I thought I was going to go into fashion and then I changed my mind and did general studies and, and then went into economics. So that was uh nice to hear especially for our young people that might not have it figured out that's right and you know so
0: so you're you're absolutely right you don't have to have it figured out you know i knew i wanted to go to school i knew that for sure and you couldn't tell me that I was not going to be on the runways of Paris, and I wasn't going to be a fashion designer and I stuck with it too i you know three years into the program, um I started thinking, okay, at some point I'm going to have to feed myself here and so this fashion design thing is not – I don't know where we're going with this, but uh, I hadn't seen my run, my first runway yet even at the, the uh, College of uh, Design, Architecture, Art, and Planning at UC. So I'm thinking, okay, you need a paycheck, girl, so – get it together, and try to figure out where where this paycheck is coming from. And that's how I was able to at least sit um, in general studies for a a couple of um, semesters and then ultimately sat in economics. And that's how my career blossomed from there.
1: That's funny. I've never heard that story about you starting off in, in fashion design, but it all makes sense. Those who know you and have seen you in the boardroom and have seen you uh, working, you are definitely, as the young people say, slaying in the boardroom with your fashionable attire. So that, that's funny. It all comes together. So you have such a vast experience in human resources and workforce development across multiple industries. How are you able to transition and be successful in industries that seem totally unrelated?
0: Sure. You know, and and yes, I, I absolutely have been in a wide variety of industries from retail to hospitality, to manufacturing, and um, construction, and what, what, you know, at the core of all of it is human resources, and the the common word in all of that is human, and people are people, and so people are people across industries, and to be able to transfer my skills across those different industries, the common denominator in all of those uh, industries are the people, and so Within any organization, you're going to have people who run your operations and um, look at the commonalities in, in all of that. And so people come to work ultimately to earn um, a living. People, there are different motivators in, in people across the industry. However, they come to earn a living. They come, people come to work for the dignity of work. Some people come to work, uh, you know, whatever that, that thing is that they're trying to achieve or aspire to in their job. Um, you know, there, there are certain commonalities that ring, across, uh, ring true and, and, and um, consistent across industries. And so um, as an HR uh, uh, professional, I'm able to see what those similarities are, and I'm able to capitalize on what people bring to the workplace and, and help uh, translate that into whatever objectives that whatever organization um, in whatever industry is, is uh, striving to achieve. So that's how I'm able to translate um, the human capital across different industries.
1: Awesome. And what about strengths? What strengths do you feel uh, were necessary for you to be able to cross those those lines of manufacturing and healthcare and IT? Sure. You know, and and – and I'm going to tell you, it's, this is a tough gig.
0: It's not, um, it's not easy. So you have to, I, I will tell you, one of my strengths is prayer. I, listen, prayer every morning. Get up and, and, Lord, what do you have for me today to do today? And, you know, let me put my armor on and get out here. So I will say um, being able to uh, persevere and be resilient and um, being agile and, and just flexible and adaptable, those are, those are skills um, I think that are my strengths, and that allows me to be able to go into most situations and um, you know, be able to find my way through that because they, there are days that are very tough, especially when you're dealing with people because people come into work with all kinds of stuff going on. And then, you know, us too as individuals and I as a person, I, you know, come into work with all my stuff as well. And so I have to put all of that aside and, and work with the people for whom I'm responsible uh, for, for looking out for and for the businesses that I have um, that I'm responsible for managing their human uh, resources. And so, uh, yeah, just resilience, perseverance, uh, agility, adaptability, flexibility are, are some of my skills, uh, strong uh, skills.
1: Uh, and you're right. People are people, but people are different, and so mm-hmm. I definitely had to learn that while you can get all the tips and tricks and all of that, you become a coach, a mentor, a counselor. I mean, you become it all uh, for your team. Yeah. I agree. I 100% agree, yes. Employers are struggling with growing their, growing the skills of their teams and growing their talent pipeline to meet current and future needs. What work are you doing in this space to help employers realize their most precious asset is their people? Employers talk about it. You know, we know that we need to invest in our people and our people are our most uh, precious asset and they say that and they have these values, uh, but sometimes it, it, it doesn't come out as though uh, they're investing in their people and they think their people are the most precious asset, but what work are you doing in this space?
0: I know, right? So, so <laughs> you know, that, that is such a, that's an excellent question, and, and it's a great question that, you know, we um, in, in, I guess, the industry that I'm in with regard to workforce development have been just – Working with and 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 just toiling with and working around with, and so the the space that I occupy with regard to how do we no. get employers to right. recognize that it's more than words when you say, you know, your people are your number one um, asset in your organization, or um, you know, people are your competitive advantage, and people are what make your organization special. Um, so, Coach T, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, kind of uh, bounce a couple of things off of you. How often have you been in organizations where you do hear those things, right? Um, you know, pe- organizations say my people are the the most important thing should be and then you you hear the reputation of that company. Have you have you heard that as well too? Um,
1: I've heard it quite a lot, and I've been uh, with, with various organizations and I've heard it, uh, but it comes out loud and clear, especially in employee engagement surveys, that there's a mismatch. Right, 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 right. So, you know, same thing Um, as an
0: HR professional some of the things that we would do, too, is, you know, take the end, give uh, employees the annual engagement uh, survey and so forth, and we would get the score back. And, you know, we would um, take a look at the scores, put an action plan together with the aim of improving those scores. And then, you know, theoretically, if the scores are improved, then that means that the employees are more satisfied or more engaged and so forth. Well, the 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 way that looks, Like today and and more and more recently, the the way that the workforce is moving, we have a workforce now that's so dynamic. You've got really four generations working um, in today's workforce. You've got boomers, you've got um, Gen X, you've got Gen Y, the millennials, and then you've got Gen Z, um, who uh, are are an incredible group of, of young people. Um, and with all of these folks in the workforce now, you've got a group of people who, okay, with the boomers are like, you know what, you come to work, they pay you, you do your job, and that's th- that for that. You've got Gen Z who's like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for maybe the afternoon, and if I don't like what y'all are talking about today, I may leave in the middle of the shift. So that's, that's what you're doing, <laughs> with everything in between that. And so the, what, what employers are now understanding or have come to realize is that some of the employer, uh, employees, Gen Z, they don't care anything about you or your job. They're there to, to get that paycheck, earn that money for however long and however much they need, and it could be $50 for their Netflix bill. And the minute they earn that $50, they may or may not stay for the day. And they're out Mm -hmm. of there. And so if you are an employer who's interested in having a workforce, a top-notch workforce that you want committed to your organization, you're going to do whatever is necessary to keep, to attract, and to retain that workforce. And the employees are like, I'll take it or leave it. And most often – They're leaving it if you don't have a work environment that's conducive to what it is that they want. And what do they want? They want flexible scheduling. They want help paying off their student loans. They want help with their child care issues. They want to be able to go back to school, and they want you to pay for it in advance. They do not want tuition reimbursement. They want tuition prepayment. They want to be able to have a healthy meal on the company um, premises. They want Uber services. And so there's a whole myriad of things that employees are now demanding from their employers, and employers are understanding that in order to be a top competitor in terms of attracting and retaining talent, they're going to have to meet those demands because that's what the market, the labor market, is now saying it needs and it wants. And so what I'm trying to do now is get employers a to recognize that that's the way that the the um, labor market is now uh, behaving and trying to get employers to understand that if they don't change the paradigm and understand that that's how the labor market is behaving, they're going to be left to the side and not able to fill their open position, and people are just going to move on to those employee, employers who offer those types of benefits. So that's what that's um that's what I'm doing in that space in terms of helping employers attract and retain uh top talent.
1: That's excellent. That's an excellent points. I mean I I see it all the time where employers uh want to attract that top talent and and they may uh be able to do that. However, the retention starts to be an issue. Uh, Mm -hmm. when they are not investing in their employees, they're not offering leadership training, they're not offering coaching, they're not offering those things that keep those employees being the best. And what Mm -hmm. happens is at some point, uh, you know, after they feel that their talents are not being groomed and not being poured into, then they they move on to another employer. And unfortunately, uh, with so many people retiring at this point, we're we're finding, and especially in healthcare and in laboratory medicine, is that there's a huge shift and need for leadership. And we're struggling Uh to find those qualified uh, candidates uh, in that we do have some old school thinking and not, you know, developing uh, that talent. So that's awesome work that you were doing in that space. Absolutely, and and here's the thing. You know, interestingly
0: enough, leadership comes in all forms. Um, You know, leadership is not derived through um, a title that somebody bestowed on you, and leadership isn't necessarily derived um, because of age. Leadership um, can can come, again, in, in all different forms, and you can have someone on the team who is a natural leader and somebody who people coalesce around and will follow because that person has wisdom, um, that person has vision, that person has experience, and people just naturally gravitate to to that individual and um, will follow that individual. And so I think sometimes we, we tend to see, uh, look at a person um, and think, oh, well, that person's too young or that person – um, doesn't have the, the right pedigree, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we ascribe to people to, to call them leaders and so forth. Um, but a leader, to, in my, my definition, if people are willing to follow that person, they're a leader. Um, if, if that person is able to, to get people to understand, to see, if that person can cast a vision and get other people to buy into that vision, and can move people along uh, um, a continuum, that person in my, my uh, definition is a leader. And so um, it, it, leadership presents itself in, in, in a lot of different forms, and people, um, I think, you know, sometimes we can be a little short-sighted in who we decide um, is a leader. So um, I, I, just, I just think that we, we should open up our definition a little bit more.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm happy you said that. And that's the reason uh, why I started this show is because when people think about leaders and leadership, sometimes they equate it to a title. And so I want the listening audience to know that leaders come in all packages, different backgrounds, different experiences, doing different things. And as I uh, work with the young people, a lot of times they don't see themselves as leaders. What they mm-hmm. see as being a leader is somebody that's out being the voice of
0: right. the company,
1: you know, being right. that person you see on TV. And so the more we can uh, change our our verbiage around leadership uh, and are we leaders, we're all leaders. We need to, yeah. to claim that.
0: Mm-hmm. So that was an
1: mm-hmm. excellent, excellent point uh, that you made. So, Martia, we know that with success comes failure. It's important yes. that our listening audience know that the journey of the leadership is not all roses and good times, as what they That's may true. see, <laughs> what they may see <laughs> uh, as the end result. So, tell us about one of your biggest failures and the learning lesson that you gained from it. Sure, absolutely. You know, I, I would say um, you, it, it's not
0: necessarily one point or a moment in time, I would say, you know, one, my, my biggest failure uh, overall just through my, my leadership journey is that I didn't give myself enough time to enjoy certain points along my, my my journey, and I didn't give myself enough time to mature in certain points along my journey. I was so driven, and I have been so driven and um, so goal-oriented along my leadership journey and just within my career that I moved a lot sooner than I should have in some of my roles. And I moved, um, you know, uh, rather quickly in, in some of my roles. And I didn't give myself enough time to, A, enjoy the role and B, um, enough time to mature in the role. And I think I would have uh, uh, done myself a better service had I done that. Um, there, there are two roles in particular. Um, one w- was with a manufacturing organization, and in hindsight, looking back at that role in that organization i would have I would have enjoyed myself a little bit more had I given myself an opportunity to stay and mature in that role, and I would have learned a lot um, with some really good people had I given myself an opportunity to stay in that role a lot longer um, I just uh, knowing that industry and what is capable of doing and what is doing today. Um, had I stayed in that role, I would have I would have really learned some really um, solid uh, HR practices and so forth. And uh, there's another role uh, that I was in, and that one was in um, the the retail space. I, I just uh, retail is 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 an interesting um, industry. It, it's boy, it, it's got the craziest schedule in the world, and I hated that. But I, again. Um, Talk about being upfront and personal with people—that uh, just really gave you a lot of um, just one-on-one exposure to people and, and the, the craziness that is people. And so, again, just really wish that I, I wouldn't have been as um, goal-oriented as I've been throughout my career. So, I think that was a, that was a, a, a failure in that I didn't recognize it at the time. So that and and and. You know, the older you get, you kind of realize, okay, you know, I have to do it all over again. This is what I will do. Um, But young people and people who are moving through their career and those who are goal oriented slow down. It's not going anywhere. Um, It's not. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be here. And give yourself time. It will be here. And, you know, what's for you is for you. So just slow your roll. You'll be all right. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that is that is great advice. Guilty, guilty. Young people yeah, slow yeah. your road. Guilty. I yeah, <laughs> I, know. I we, you know. We look at our career and we're like, okay, by the time I'm twenty five, I'm gonna do this. And by the time I'm thirty, okay,
0: you know, and and I mean I'm one with a check to a box, okay. I have a list and I'm like, okay, by the time I'm forty I would have done this you know, and I'm I'm over here checking the boxes. And then you turn around, and you're like, "Wait a minute!" But I missed half the party. What happened? You know, and, yeah,
1: <laughs> slow down, slow down.
0: <laughs> Come back here, Sparky. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> yes, I'm. I'm happy you mentioned that because you're right. Uh, especially when you are so driven and are so goal oriented, that you do. I mean, you sometimes you you move quickly. You know, and I can think back, uh, not too many moves that was like, "Ah, I probably shouldn't have made that that move so fast. But I can think of, you know, one where I got my uh, first management uh, experience. And after almost five years, I did move on to something else. But, you know, sometimes I think that maybe I should have not moved so quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but again mm-hmm. hindsight is twenty twenty. uh right. but but you're right that's definitely a learning a learning lesson right.
0: it is and and you know what's interesting too is you know you've got your your um colleagues that you're so-called competing with and as they move in their careers too you know I, and, and this is human nature you're kind of it's like you're in this this Make-believe race, and, and that's exactly what it is, um, audience. It's a make-believe race. You're, you're thinking, okay, well, my colleague just got promoted to this, and they're moving their career along this line. So stay in your lane and worry about what it is that you're doing, okay? Enjoy your career and your journey and focus on your your journey because what's for you is for you. And don't worry about what this person over here is doing. And, and I know, easier said than done. Trust me, it, it, you'll be fine. Your your journey is going to be as different as you are different. And enjoy it. Take your time and, and relish in it and so forth. And you'll get to where it is that you're supposed to be. Um, yeah, just don't don't look to the left and don't look to the right and don't be worried about what this person over here is doing. And, you know, they got this award and they, they – um, you know, achieve this accomplishment and whatnot that that all of that is foolishness, and all you're doing is just stressing yourself out. so just enjoy the ride and enjoy the journey.
1: Good point, good point. From frontline manager to various senior executive roles that you've held, I'm sure there's been a lot of tough decisions that you've had to make. some you agree with, and others you probably didn't. Can you share with us one of these tough decisions uh, that you had to make and the result of that decision? Sure. And in HR, it's,
0: it's very um, – that world is, is as complex as it gets with uh, regard to being in a position of making decisions that you personally may not agree with and your organization – may, um, you know, take a position that you personally you just don't agree with. And, um, you know, you, you, you have to make a call. Um, I, I had an employer where we, were, we had to make a decision about um, whether or not we were going to offer a certain benefit. And I thought it was in the, the employees and the company's best interest if we offered a certain benefit. And having done the, um, the legwork behind it in terms of was it um, in the company's best interest, in the employee's best interest from a, a, just a cost perspective, from an attraction and retention perspective, well-being, you know, all of the analysis around it, I believed that the company needed to provide that particular benefit. And the company decided they should not. And I, you know, presented a, a business case for this is why I think we need to uh, per, uh, proceed in this direction and why we need to pursue this. And I could not get um, overall support for that decision. I, you know, uh, I enlisted allies in the organizations who I, you know, knew would go before uh, the Paris that be. And um, I got, again, information to, to validate the position that I was taking, the position I was taking, and I just could not get the support that I needed. And I, this was something that I personally thought that we needed to be doing. And um, it didn't go against anything, you know, against the company, and they just decided that they didn't want to do it. And at the end of the day, what you can do is what you can do, and that's all you can do. And they decided, nope, not going to offer this, and we didn't offer it. And I just was shocked that, wow, okay, then I'll do this. And at the end of the day, it kind of was what it was. And I just was so disappointed, but, you know, disappointments are part of life and part of the job, and it just was what it was. And I'm still kind of sitting here like, wow, they didn't do it. And, okay, (laughs) so – so, yeah, you, you make hard calls, and you just kind of let it be what it is. So, yeah.
1: Right. And it's almost like it's not almost. It is. The the higher you climb on that ladder, the more difficult decisions you'll have to make. And there will be times that you don't agree uh, with that decision, but you still have to come to a, a consensus, uh, okay. agree to disagree, uh, uh, for the sake of the business operations, so that it is, happens all the
0: right.
1: all of the time. People want a seat at the table, but I don't know that they always know what having a seat at the table really means.
0: Indeed, indeed, I, I 100% um, agree with that. You know, and 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 then too, that said, there are um, times. Now, where, you know, there's business decisions that need to be made, and then there's also personal decision and things that come against or will come at you from a personal integrity and uh, personal credibility and and, and personal stance, where there's a decision that needs to be made that may come in conflict with that. And so what do you then do in um, cases like that? So I will say this, Um, I got a bit of advice from a very wise person um, who said to me very early in my career and along my journey as a young woman who said to me, uh, her her words were, know what your line is, what your limit, what your boundaries are in advance so that you know you will not cross them. You need to have that defined already. And that way, if you ever find yourself in a situation like that, you won't have to make the call. You already know this is something that I absolutely will not do, not trying to do, ain't going to do it, don't even ask. And so have that already pre-established, predetermined, and, you know, if the situation comes up, you know how to walk away. And, you know, that, that will be that for that. And so um, fortunately I, you know, took that advice. I know what my boundaries, where my lines are. I know what I will and will not do. Um, And and what's interesting is because I already have that defined, I go into, uh, you know, relationships, organizations, partnerships, and so forth, speaking that to my audience and to my colleagues and so forth and so on. And so I don't get put into situations where people are asking me, to do things that go against my personal integrity and credibility and so forth. And the people who are misguided enough to ask me, I certainly know my voice and, can, you know, very clearly say, no, I will not be doing that. Um, no.
1: Well, that's, that's a good advice. That has uh, come up numerous uh, times of really knowing where you stand and I know some people come in conflict with that because they may not be clear uh, on their core values or, or where they stand. And then during those times where you have to, you know, you come up against these decisions or, or those issues, it's hard to think uh, at a time when you don't already know where you're st- where you stand at. Mm-hmm. so and, and so you know, you're you're
0: absolutely right with 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 regard to core values. Um, you do you have to know what your core values are, um, you know who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in. Um, those things have to be just the foundation of who you are as a person, um how you deal with other people in in situations. and those are those are things that I think. Most of us, and, you know, I can't speak for everybody, which is why I'm saying most of us, I think most of us have to have settled in us, um, you know, at, at before we, we really start to, to fly out there, you know, on our, our leadership journey. I think you have to have that very well defined because people, are, people will try you. People will try you. <laughs> Yes, they, will. they will try you. They will test you. They will poke at you, and they will prod you. And you need to you need to be able to hold your own and hold your ground in terms of, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Um, don't ask me to do that. These are these are my core values and my core principles. And what you're asking me to do goes against them. And no, I'm not doing that. The other thing too that doesn't. Um, you know, it's not the same thing as saying that you're not open um, to new ideas, you're not you receptive to diversity of thought or uh, diversity of experiences and background and so forth. You you know, I absolutely am, and I you know, and I would hope that people are. However, there are some some fundamental truths that I hold to that in a business setting, I, I can't stray away from what I know to be honest and what I know to be morally right and what I know to be uh, fair and and so forth. And yeah, I I know what my lines are, Marty's lines. And so I don't cross those because the the first time you do it is the first time you do it and then you can't pull that back.
1: Right. Right. Awesome. That's, that's very good advice. Marty, I see you led operations in Africa, and that sounds really cool. So, in yeah. today's work, yeah, it sounds really cool. You were able to lead operations uh, in, in, in your home, right? In, in yeah. Liberia. Yeah, so, West Africa. <laughs> in today's workplace, global leadership is becoming more common. Tell us about your work in Africa, and if that leadership experience was any different than your leadership experience here in the United states yes uh, so so
0: yes it, it 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 was absolutely indeed different um it, it it was fun it was it was scary, it was okay, now this is interesting. So, you know, as a brown girl um, in America, it is very different <laughs> being a brown girl in Africa where everybody are brown girls and brown people. Uh, that that was amazing. Um, I, I just felt like the world had tipped uh, into the right direction and everybody was uh, okay and everything was all right again, so I'm going to leave that right there. Okay. And so um, working <laughs> working in Africa was amazing because – Um, Some of the things that I noticed were the the value system was different in terms of um, work hours, for example, you know, they they actually worked like eight thirty to five. They took an hour lunch and when, when they went to lunch, people went to lunch. It was like we stopped working, nobody nobody people went home for lunch, you know, they didn't sit at their desk and eat and you know, sit at the computer and I'm like, Okay, I'm liking this, you know, let me run back to my apartment <laughs> and, and go to lunch, you know, and, and things like that. And um, you know, when you were off, you were off. You didn't sit around with your computer. Now, I did because, you know, here I am being the, the pseudo-American chick still on her phone and her, her uh, laptop. So that was craziness, but I heard Lee got out of it because everybody else would go to the beach when they were off work. So, um, <laughs> but it was, you know, their, their value system was different in that um, work is work, play is play, and, you know, the two shall not mix. And I, I just thought that was so refreshing. Um, The other thing, too, is labor laws um, were very different. They were very pro-employee in that um, you couldn't just write people up for, um, you know, any infraction at the job. If somebody was tardy because their child was sick, gee, imagine that. I'm late to work because my child is sick. Well, the child is sick. That's something totally out of my control. Where in this country, if, you know, we don't we, we look at it and say, okay, your child is sick. You need to have alternate arrangements, um, you know, which is, uh, uh, you know, cause for great debate nowadays in, in American labor and so forth. But um, So those are, those are some of the things that I noticed. One of the things that I noticed that was very unique, we had a situation where, um, we were doing a layoff of some of the staff, and we we you know had gone through the whole process. We gave people their severance checks, and um, you know everybody had their packets and so forth. And, and you know we were like, okay, we're done, and people wouldn't leave. And I was like, um, okay, why are they still here? And the, the local HI uh, manager, who I was working with, she was like. Well, you haven't given them their their certificate. And I was like, what certificate? She was like, okay, the money is fine and all of that, but um, in Liberia, if you don't give somebody a certificate that says that um, they worked this particular job, let's say they were a receptionist at ABC Company um, for the last three years, they can't necessarily go and get future employment, because that certificate represents the skills that they have and the the experience that they have, and they need that in order to be able to go and get future employment. And I was like, what? I I had no idea that that was something that was needed in in that country. And it was just like, huh, something that we just don't pay any attention to um, was something that was extremely valuable. For the workforce in Liberia, so I just I just learned just that little tidbit of information, um, you know, while I was working there, and I was just like, huh, imagine that things that you don't place any value in um, was something that they did, and so I, I thought that was pretty cool. So wow. yeah, that was that was my time um, spent um, in Liberia. I, you know, I, I did a lot more than that, but you know, we'll talk about that maybe at a later day. <laughs>
1: Okay, wow. Yeah, it's just always interesting to to hear uh, how different cultures do things. And, you know, you hear a lot, especially in regards to work-life balance. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes us in the U.S. is work, work, work. You work 10 hours, come home, you're still working. Uh, And then we just as sick as we... can be or want to be, but yet uh, some of our, our, our peers across the globe are, are working eight hours and, you know, go home and enjoy their, fa- their families and and other things and are still just as progressive uh, right. as we are and, and they are just as healthy as can be. So it's just That'd interesting to now. get different perspectives. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, without a doubt. I mean, and it's it's so interesting
0: to to see a picture. You know, sometimes I know everybody has that typical picture of Africa or somebody in a village and so forth. No, I'm talking um, high-rise buildings, oceanfront high-rise, everybody with their cell phones and, you know, their laptops and so forth, but when it's 5, five o'clock, 5.30, people are shut down. At lunchtime, don't go. Don't think you're getting ready to go into any store and go buy anything. No, those people are gone to lunch just like you ought to be at lunch, sitting in your house, too. So, you know, first time I tried to go run an errand on lunch, it was like, no, no, everybody else is at lunch. That's where you need to be, is at lunch. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess we get ready to sit here, and that's why I had to get into that habit. And I was like, Listen, the first couple of weeks of that, I was like, Now this is crazy And they were like, No, you crazy, you need to go to lunch (laughs) (laughs) I said, okay. Listen, I'm gonna take a nap at lunch. That's what I'm gonna do. And
1: then come back here. Come
0: back here back to America and then you're sitting at your desk eating lunch and you know people are calling you and emailing you. You gotta like run and hide in the broom closet just to have lunch. I'm like, This is craziness.
1: (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny, too funny. So, so Marty from an HR recruiting standpoint, because I know our listeners are, are interested in writing down some of these nuggets, uh, and they want to know what kind of experience and skills do you typically look for to fill a frontline manager position as well as those senior leadership roles? Sure. So the skills that I look for
0: are people who are team players, you know. And and that is probably the most overused term in the the dictionary in terms of what is the skill set that people look for, team player. Can you play nice in the sandbox with everybody else? It's just that simple. And you know, we learn that or are supposed to learn that in kindergarten. And so that that we look for that because in today's environment, again, if you recall, I said earlier there are four generations in the workforce, and you have to be able to to figure out how to navigate all four of those generations. And you've got, you know, older people, you've got young people in the workforce, and can you navigate through all of those? If you're a supervisor, you have to be able to manage and understand the needs of all four of those, those generations. And so you, you, you have to, to have people on a team that spans those generations. How, how do you get them to cooperate collaboratively so that they can deliver whatever your goals or whatever your, your strategy is? And if you're the leader of that, that group of individuals, you you have to have that skill set, and then have to be able to transfer that skill set or at least cultivate that skill set within your team. So teamwork is, is just automatically the first one that I look for in a
1: frontline supervisor or even a senior leadership. Awesome. What suggestions do you have for ways people can – you know acquired a skill of team of being a team player or organization or being able to communicate effectively across all of these generations if they feel like they are unable to get it in their role now at their employer how best do you uh what would you encourage them to do to get those skills to be comfortable and prepared right. and, and
0: you're right. You're you're absolutely right in terms of communications. Um, you know, those are that. that's another skill too that people certainly do need to be um, strong in as well. And if you if you feel like your current opportunity is not giving you the chance to acquire those skills, you know. So so I'm gonna do a, a shameless plug for Coach T here. You need to get you a Coach T. You need to get you a coach, whomever, but you, you know, find, find a coach and find a mentor. And um, those are people who can help you acquire the skills that you need in order to, to uh, be successful in your leadership journey and, uh, you know, on, on your, your career path and so forth. But coaches will, will do a couple of things for you. One of it is be able to give you some honest feedback about, you know, where you may have a gap in your skill set. Um, coaches will also be able to, to uh, you know, help you acquire those skills because in addition to giving you that feedback, they'll give you information about how to acquire those uh, uh, skills where they see the gaps. And in talking with you, they will be able to, to point out specific examples of, okay, this is where I see the gap is, is occurring, or these are the circumstances and situations in which I see the gap is occurring. Let me give you examples of how you can cultivate teamwork and communications um, and, and so forth. And, I, again, mentors do the same thing. They can take you under their arms. They can give you exposure um, to those types of skills and so forth. And I think um, those are coaches and mentors are, are probably two of the biggest ways that I think you can uh, help aqu- or acquire those skills if you're not getting them in your current uh, role or environment.
1: Excellent, excellent. You are, are very correct, and, and that's what we are are able to do with those that we mentor or those mm-hmm. that we coach. So, Martia, how can a listener stay connected with you and support you in your efforts? Sure. So uh, you can get a hold of me. I am on Twitter,
0: and my Twitter handle is at ShansMardia at S-H-A-N-D-S-M-A-R-D-I-A. And so if you want to get any of my leadership tidbits, you can reach out to me on Twitter. And that's
1: awesome. how you can hear from me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you've shared a lot of great uh wisdom with me uh over the years and I definitely appreciate it. One thing you've shared uh with me from an HR standpoint, especially as I was moving into management that I never forgot because I've had to to do this, I've had to uh separate Uh, employees from organizations and introduce them back to the community but one thing that sticks with me is that you said if you have a choice never separate somebody on a Friday where they have over the weekend to think about it and process it and not have anybody to talk to and why that sounds you know like maybe it's not a big deal I, I think about those things because, again, you know, if we have a, a traumatic event and go through that cycle. And so anytime I've had to do that, I'm like, okay, now what day do we think we going to do this on? Mm-hmm. And it, and anytime yeah. they ever said something close to the weekend, I'm like, uh, if we can yeah. avoid that, uh, let's not do that. So Absolutely. I thank you for that because that, that has been pretty helpful because I have seen uh people not take the news uh in a in a positive, you know, in a in a great way that's, mm-hmm. you know, almost been detrimental. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing uh that with me. I put that in my leadership uh skill box so that I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, important that. information is you, as you move to the top, you gotta make a lot of those tough calls. <laughs> yeah,
0: you do. You do I, 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 that one. I learned the hard way, so yes. <laughs> I, well, I'm glad you you got that one in the in the
1: leadership uh, toolbox there. Yes. <laughs> well, there's several, but that one yeah. uh, definitely uh, that was one of those early ones. And and mm-hmm. you know when I had to to be involved in in those separations, I just always kept that in my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. So. So thank you so much, Martia, for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you're busy. You are, like, flying around here uh, and doing tons of great things inside your workplace and out in the community. So I thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you today. It was definitely an honor to have you as my guest, and many blessings and much success to you on your journey. Thank you so much. It was
0: my privilege and pleasure to sit on the show with you and talk about my leadership journey. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. No,
1: thank you. So thank you, listening audience, for tuning in to tonight's show with our special guest, Ms. Martia Shands, where she shared with us, this work is hard, people, It's hard, especially as you move to the top. So you need to find whatever that inner being is or whatever that strength is uh, to, to get you through so that you are able to persevere and be flexible and adaptable. Know where you stand. Have that line drawn way before you have to make a decision. And make sure you find yourself a coach or a mentor. Those are people who are going to give you honest feedback, they're going to help you acquire the skills and, and just be honest with you and, and let you know where, the, where those gaps are. So if you don't have uh, a coach or mentor, make sure that you invest uh, in, in one. All of us that's at the top or near the top or on the journey has multiple uh, coaches and mentors uh, in our lives. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, being a radio show sponsor, highlighting your business or event, please email dibroadcasting at Again, that's dibroadcasting at And please tune in next week to hear from another amazing leader. Until then, have a good evening.
0: Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly.